Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everyone? My name is Matt Connor. I am here with... I got no song today. Normally, I'm like singing an intro. I got. Let me see you one, two step. I got... Normally, I'm like soft-shoeing in, got a little song and dance. I got nothing. We're all business this week. Game on Sunday, game on Thursday, no rest for the wicked. I got no time to figure these things. I'm too busy worrying about keeping Justin Ross at bay and what we can do about it. So, yeah, I'm here with my pal, Sterling Holmes, as always, along with our special guest of the night, Stacy Smith, Arrowhead Addict contributor. First of all, I'll go guest first. Sorry, Sterling. I'm going to make you wait a minute. Stacy, how are you tonight, my friend? Good, man. Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, of course. Of course. Now, Sterling, I don't want to leave you out. Are you doing all right this week? A busy week for you? I cannot confirm nor deny. You get nothing from me since I'm second, Connor. You get ah. nothing from me. You came in with no song and then do something like that? I- Maddie C, come on. I'll say this. I'm a little injured after I did a super semi-sonic closing time version with Patrick Mahomes in the lyrics last time. And no one seemed to care, even though I spent way too much time in the bathroom thinking about such things. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Uh, we'll get to it, folks. We got a lot to talk about breaking down the Minnesota Vikings victory, breaking down the future Denver Broncos victory. We got a real chance to bury Denver very early with two games in the next three weeks. We're going to be talking a lot about that. Uh, We'll also be getting to some of the moves we want to see them make. But before we do, we have some bets we actually hope that you will make. Yeah, DraftKings is running a new promotion. And let me tell you right now, if I was not already subscribed to DraftKings, this is it. This is the one. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. Not only that, you will also be rewarded with a separate no sweat single game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to do is set up with our code Arrowhead. Using our code Arrowhead not only gets you these great bonuses, but also directly supports our podcast. If you've been considering setting up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code Arrowhead maximize your first bets and parlays offers available to new customers who are plus and physically present in legal gambling states please remember to always gamble responsibly check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify all right look let's talk broncos uh normally we're talking about you know normally on this show we don't really do much of a preview because we got five days away i mean there's we're still kind of cleaning up from where we were but this time around, we're looking at a game coming soon. It's a short week for the Chiefs. Maybe cause for concern in some way, but that's true for both sides. But before we talk about this matchup, before we talk about the Broncos who were already in the basement, Stacy, I want to start with you. What were you picturing here for the Broncos before this season began? Sean Payton's brought in. Other moves were made. You know, there's some reason for maybe some excitement there. Uh, were you buying into that? Were you like, what were you thinking about the Broncos pre-regular season? 
No, I, th- I think I, I thought of them as a third place team in this division. Uh, ultimately, you, you look at Sean Payton, you think a guy like that with so much experience, with so much success can stabilize the ship. Uh, but there's still a lot that's wrong with that football team. Um, there's still a lot of questions about whether or not Russell Wilson can truly elevate them to where they want to be. So, yeah, for me coming into the season, I looked at them as a third place team. All right. Sterling, were, are you, were you on that same wavelength? Yeah, Stage, so that was a, an astute observation to me. I thought they were a third-place team, and you brought it up. You thought Sean Payton was going to come in to stabilize. Now, the offense, to an extent, has been stabilized, but the defense and some of the other issues surrounding Sean Payton have not stabilized. But, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, man. I, I thought it was going to be the, the Chiefs won, right? The Chargers little preseason offseason hype started to slow down finally i mean come on finally they they were clear cut the number two the raiders are their cheeks man their buns are not good they were fourth and that leaves the broncos i thought maybe i don't know nine and eight potentially a 10 and seven team if they got things going right but uh yeah i never thought of them as a legitimate super bowl contender count me among the surprised because i I legit thought they could be a second-place team in this division. I, I thought, you know, look, with, with, with Kansas City, Andy Reid coming in, I mean, like, I, I just I remember when the Arizona Cardinals were going to get Andy Reid, supposedly, right? And then, you know, we keep him from flying to Arizona, and then he becomes the Chiefs coach. And then, of course, John Dorsey did a hell of a job in terms of personnel decisions and sort of turning things around, but – Having instant coaching acumen on your sidelines made up for a host of problems in Kansas City. And I thought, you know what? Denver has some real players, man, on both sides. That if you could get, if you could, if Peyton could add that kind of Andy Reid sort of personality and just get guys to play well and get rid of the distractions, like he said. But five games in, I mean, it seems like Peyton himself is the source of a ton of that. Distraction. Am I weird for even thinking that Sean Payton has kind of tanked a lot of his reputation and credibility after only five games in Denver? Before he played a game, before he coached a game in Denver, he did. You don't do that. No matter how bad Nathaniel Hackett is, no matter how bad he was, the coach, have you ever seen another head coach do that? No. You no, don't do not. that. It's a coaching fraternity. There's a reason why you saw a 70 spot get dropped on his dome. Your reason why you heard maybe it was, maybe it wasn't said post game, stay humble from Robert Sala, right? You don't do that. Coaches around the NFL right now are coming together and saying, bleep that guy. You don't do that. We're about <laughs> to show you why you don't do that. Like, it's unheard of. It's asinine. And by the way, all that goodwill you had in New Orleans. That's not in Denver. All that goodwill you had with Drew Brees, that's not Russell Wilson. I don't know where he thought he was coming from. I don't know who Sean Payton thought he was. I, don't get me wrong. He was an offensive genius. Yeah, it also helps you have a Hall of Fame quarterback your entire time down there. Okay, the offense looks okay in Denver. A little bit of a, of a bounce back. But the point still remains, you're sitting here at 1-4. in four. If you'd have been 4-1, talk all the smack you want. But you talk smack and you're 1-4, yeah, pal, you're not lasting long. Stacy, what are your thoughts on Peyton there? Yeah, I, I think Sterling is spot on with that. I think uh, one of my concerns and maybe a concern around the league was whether or not his personality would mesh well with Russ. Um, and I think maybe there's something there. We saw a little bit of that on the sideline in the game the other day. So 
Uh, you just have to wonder if if right now everyone is aligned in that locker room and it seems like there's obviously some disarray. There, you know, one and four is not good. I mean, you know, like it's hard to come back from that kind of record. But the NFL has made it at least easier than ever to make the playoffs with the addition of that seventh spot. Like last year we saw the the both the Jags and we saw the Lions like make it make it as like a five hundred team. Dog, right? expand it to fourteen teams in the AFC, and they're still on the door knocking. Like, like they're not getting in. They've about, given up a hundred and eighty-one points. A hundred and eighty-one. Take out the seventy spot put against them and say that game was a zero. Say they gave up zero against the Dolphins. That's a hundred and eleven given up. That is still the second most points given up in the AFC West and only third from being the most. Dog, they are atrocious. I, I get that, but here's what here's what. I guess I'm mixed up. This is was going to be my question before Sterling started asking before he started laughing like one sentence into my question here, which is this. Which by the way makes you the Sean Payton of this broadcast. By the way, I'm sorry. There's a, there's an announcing fraternity here that you don't crap on one another, and he starts laughing halfway through my question. Here's my question, right? Where do you go with this franchise? Because you've gone all in on Russell Wilson. You add more draft picks for Sean Payton. So you're saying our time is now, even though the record doesn't show it. But you also have player Justin Simmons has been out, as have a ton of defenders. So slowly over the season, it you would think – Passer Tan, Justin Simmons, getting some of these good guys back could curb things up there. And I may have hope, even at one and four, despite what Sterling says, if I didn't have to face the Chiefs in two of the next three games. So whatever little shred of hope there is gone. But I'm looking at the way this team is constructed and thinking, if you sell off some parts, what good does it do you? You've gone all in on like coaching QB. Like, like, I don't know. I guess I'm just wondering, even from your perspectives, Stacy. I'll just lead out with you. When you look at that whole roster construction and even, like, it's just one big, like, what in the world does a person start to do here with the mess? Yeah, I'm not sure. Honestly, they're, they're tied to Russ. If memory serves, they're tied to Russ for the foreseeable future in terms of that contract. It's a lot of dead money. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what, you know, where the light is at the end of the tunnel for this team. Um Peyton's going to be there. Russ is going to be there. I guess the hope is that you infuse the team with more talent and hope that you can build up the cast around Wilson and build up this defense, which has some talented young players on it. Uh, But I'm not sure I see this trending upward for them in the next year or two. Yeah, with Russell Wilson, the potential out is 2026, and that's still 32 million is a dead cap hit. That is the potential Crazy. out. Again, nice. your hope is you, you you pull an OKC or you pull a 76ers and you tank, but then that's still no guarantee things go well. I mean, I, I'm a I lived in Philly for three years. I worked for the 76ers. I thought it made some sense at the time. As much as I hate tanking, I understand the process of. All right, man, you can't keep being the eighth best team in the East. You can't keep being the third best team in the AFC West the eighth best team in the AFC, either go up or go down. Let's blow this thing up. But again, as you mentioned, draft capital was given up for a head coach who's done nothing. Uh, You have Russell Wilson, who's done nothing. There's no out until 2026. I mean, yeah, you can still go out and get, let's just say they end up with one of the worst records in the NFL. Maybe you get Caleb Williams. Maybe you get Drake May. But then you also have to realize you might have to give him a King's ransom to get that the Bears are going to have two top four picks realistically. Arizona's going to have, you know, two of the top picks in the NFL as well. 
I just don't know where they go. I'm with you. You almost have to try and keep doubling down and doubling down, but you keep digging yourself deeper and deeper and deeper. Again, your only hope is, the only hope is you're saying, all right, Russell Wilson has actually reverted back to some of the norms in Seattle. Like you look at some of the underlying numbers, I'll give Peyton and the offense a little credit here. He has reverted back with a lot of injuries and not some great weapons out there, okay? Jerry Judy has not even begun to get going, and he's still putting up some decent, not spectacular, but decent numbers. It's that defense, man. I don't know how you fix it. That is absolutely atrocious. I have no idea what you can do. Get Pat Sertan back. He ain't stopping you from giving up a 70 spot. 31 against Zach Wilson. I mean, I have no idea where the defense even looks to go from here. Yeah. Yeah, it's bananas. Of course, if you're in Chiefs Kingdom, you love this whole discussion because the thought of Denver being without even a a sense of, oh, here's where we're going for the next few years, just kind of floating in poor to mediocre land is exactly where you want to see them. It also makes the AFC West fairly easy to win or at least compete inside. Um, Let me wrap up this one part of this um, with – Caleb Williams, you brought him up, right? I mean, look, I, you know, I don't want to say I'm afraid of anybody. We have Patrick Mahomes, and that's that. And the Chiefs are deepest. The Chiefs are are tough. The Chiefs are the dynasty. They're not afraid of anybody. That said, if I want Caleb Williams anywhere in the NFL, you know where I don't want him is the AFC West. What are your? I mean, if you're if you're watching him, he is a very special talent. I don't think any of us would debate that. What are your thoughts on him? entering the division next year sterling i don't think he's going to be first and foremost as i mentioned elated i the bears the arizona there's going to be a too much of a leap for the broncos to get into the top one let's be real top one um let's just say though for the sake of this equation he does get there good for him good for him doesn't help the broncos doesn't help the defense doesn't help not having weapons. Um, again, they have, they have so much money tied up to poor contracts. Not just Russell Wilson. Look at Mike McGlinchey. He's been brutal at tackle. They were yeah. trying to fix the offensive line. That was a horrendous pickup from them. Everything the Broncos have done has backfired. Uh, don't get me wrong. Caleb Williams is a great talent, but you're looking at rookies around the NFL right now. They still need to have some talent, some guys around them to succeed. Broncos just don't have it. Stacy, what do you think? Could be with the Raiders too. Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with Sterling. I, I think you know he's a special talent, absolutely. But I think a, a big part of it is is fit, right? And if they don't have the right direction for that team, you can see premium talent being squandered, much like what's happening in uh, over with the Chargers with Justin Herbert. Um, and so you just wonder if if he would be the singular fix for what seems to be some some organizational. Uh, trouble. And I'm, mm. I'm just not sure. I'm also not sure the Broncos will be quite bad enough to really be in position to take him. Yeah. Yeah. When they get some of these guys back, they may end up winning some games that, uh, you know, kind of gets them to the five to six win range and picking like the best linebacker or, or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's move forward. Okay. So the Chiefs are going to play and then they're playing him on a short week. I want to talk about short week concerns because this is a, this is a concern. Um, against like it's not like the Broncos are the concern, but a short week itself is a concern. Um, and really, I want to talk to you know the biggest name that we're talking about here is really Travis Kelsey, as 
you know, he was injured, then comes back. What a heroic showing on I, I just couldn't believe it. I thought I thought, of course, this is part of the script here. Um, that he would like come back and even score a touchdown. Um, but again, this is a short week there. Stacy, what are your thoughts on like Travis practice today? He was taped up. Um, you know, which yeah, I Did can't you see the tape job. Do you see how that yeah. was three rolls of duct tape down there? <laughs> I mean, he seems very intent on playing uh, in this short week. and probably could get away with, with resting him. What would you do if you were Andy Reid in this situation? And, and what are you thinking about having him out there even in practice? You know, I, I think if it's up to him, he'll be out there. Um, I think certainly Andy Reid's going to have concerns. It's a short week, so you didn't have – they didn't practice Monday, so you didn't have the opportunity to see him. You're only going to have a couple of chances to do that. So um, I think Reed will probably defer to him, and if he thinks he can protect himself and get through a game without aggravating the injury, I think he'll play. I think it's a safe bet that he'll play. It's really difficult because as an athlete, you want to play. I I don't care how injured you are. You understand you're making a bleep ton of money – the majority of the greats, and Travis Kelsey is one of the greats, it's legacy, it's numbers, It's you have that mindset. Kelsey is going to do everything in his power to try and play. You saw him practicing. As I, I mean, I was joking with the tape job, but how many guys would go through practice and go through the effort of taping that thing up when you're this far into your NFL career? I mean, seriously, I could, I'm not going to say I guarantee because I'd be lying, I'm saying there's a very good chance the Chiefs probably said, hey, dude, if you want this day off to just relax, rex, or, uh, rest, dude, we totally get it. And Kelsey's probably sitting here going, you know what? Screw that. I'm putting enough tape on my my ankle that could be used to fix a car. Like, <laughs> he's going to try. And whether he is effective or not, does it matter? I know Thursday night games and Thursday games just in general have been always so close because of the short preparation. You're still banged up. It makes good teams and bad teams a little, come a little closer together. But just having the threat of Kelsey on the field, you watch at the end of that game. He wasn't moving great, but you saw Noah Gray open a decent amount underneath. He still opens up the underneath routes for Kansas City. So if Kelsey still plays but is not moving very well, I still think it gives the Chiefs a huge edge. I like what you're saying there. I I, I do like what you're saying there. I think you're right. Um, and I am. I'm, sh- I'm shocked that he's not taking the week off or uh, like of practice. He doesn't need to practice. He's faced Denver so many times in his career. You know, there's, there's, there's like not much new here to get ready for. Um, and also majority of teams give their veterans like the Wednesday off, like they, they allow them to take the first practices of the week off. So it wouldn't even have to be a short week thing. Just the fact that he came up, just the fact that he's walking gingerly uh, or something like that should be enough for him not to be out there that he's out there. I think proves what Stacy said, which is they're letting Kelsey completely own his own situation. Like, like it or not, even, even maybe even Andy Reid would say, I don't like it, but I'm not rolling any other way with Travis Kelsey. And, and that's the way we roll with Travis is we, is I don't save him from himself. I worry about, I let him save himself from him. Now I'm, now I'm, now I'm like saying weird things, but you know what I'm saying. Um, let's go to the comments on just a few of these real fast. Sean Browning says Kelsey's hardcore and hard charging. He ain't a quitter. Right on there. Angry drunken German says Gray could use the time as well. He's looking really solid this year. I would agree. If it was me, I would save him from himself and tell him to sit down for a week. But 
Of course, that's why I'm sitting here in this chair and not in some chair in Arrowhead. Ronald Rodrigo says, I anticipate Andy will have him on limited snaps until the game looks really close. I Probably a good idea there. Jay Brickman, Kelsey didn't get hurt. He rolled his ankle. Stop worrying about it, people. All right, there's a sunny side up. Uh, yeah. And then Phantom 1090 says, keep, keep Kelsey out if he needs the rest. Uh, Mike Tavener Media, by the way, I think the Kelsey injuries are starting to pile up. I think we need to use a real draft pick on finding a replacement for him. What do you two think of that? This is the second semi-injury in the first five weeks of the season. Sterling. Yeah, I wonder, especially with lower body injuries, if that is a sign of the inevitable, the aging. You know, I don't want to be pessimistic here because he's been healthy for so long in his career. That is what I've always said made him stand out in regards to to Kittle and just Rob Gronkowski. You know, that's what put him in the upper echelon of all time tight ends. It's you have to not only be great for uh, for a few seasons, but great for an extended period of time. You know, I, I don't know if, if saving him from himself, if that's the answer. I don't know if this is necessarily an injury where it's going to get a lot worse outside of just pain tolerance. You know, it's a really good question to, to, to bring up. And, and maybe you do want to see more Noah Gray to see if he is your uh, potential long-term answer post-Kelsey. Obviously, he's not Travis Kelsey. But the odds of getting another guy who is like Travis Kelsey... Very slim. The Chiefs got lucky. They went from Gonzalez to, to you know, a sh- short intermediate period of Tony Moyaki, right? That, the the Moyaki hype. And then, you, and then you're back to Kelsey. I mean, like, we're a little spoiled almost in that regard. It's not that easy. Yeah. Stacy, what do you think? Are, what's your concern level about Kelsey's age and injury here this year? It's not high. I, I think, you know, obviously Father Tom is undefeated. So at some point, it's going to catch up with him. I'm not sure that what we've seen so far is evidence of that. I think what happened on Sunday was kind of a freak thing with turf. Um, those things happen. So I, I'm not really concerned that this is the year where we're finally going to see him have significant injury uh, injuries costing him to, to lose time. Uh, but obviously he's not getting any younger. So at some point you got to be ready to, you got to be ready to move forward. So they're going to have to. And I'll agree, Stacey. Sorry, very quickly, didn't mean to cut you off, but you brought up a good point. You, you said, uh, I think you said turf, and you're right. It happened on turf, the big debate. If that's on grass, does Kelsey get injured? You said it was a fluke thing. I'm with you. If, if that's that arrowhead, does the grass just go out from underneath him and he's fine? But because it was on turf, that could be the issue here. So I'm almost sitting here saying, I'm fine. Let him play on grass. You, you play any, any, any spot that has turf, you sit, Kelsey, say, uh-uh. We're going to save you, my guy. (laughs) Which, by the way, if you're a Minnesota fan and you just lost Justin Jefferson in much the same way, aren't you like ready to burn that, burn that stuff all? I mean, you lost Dalvin Cook for a like a full year. They lost Mike Hughes in the past to ACL injury. It's it's not like it's just their opponents who are coming in and don't know how to play on it or something. I mean, it's ruining their own team at this point. Just just for a cheaper or more efficient. Something from a from an owner. I know they're going to replace it next year, but yeah, that uh, I would be livid as a fan if my team was making that much money and being that cheap about the field. Uh, yeah, to bring that up. Uh, let's talk short week here. Um, other concerns other than Travis Kelsey. When I was watching on Sunday, I wondered what you guys thought of this. There, there were a few um, there were a few moments when I was like. Why is that guy playing so much? It actually happened two times for me. When I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, 
I'm seeing a lot of Malik Herring on the field right now, more than normal, more than like a handful of snaps. And then also I thought it every single time I saw Clyde edwards Elaire run the ball for one yard, right? Um, and the worst, I even made a joke about this on Twitter because it was the Justin Ross long touchdown or the long like first down reception. And then the very next play was Clyde for a yard. And I was like, boy, that's like the best way to get emotional whiplash is cheering for Justin Ross and then watching Clyde ticket for a yard. Then it occurred to me because we weren't seeing much of the, we weren't seeing much of Jarrett McKinnon. Um, we were what we were seeing Malik Herring. I started looking at the snap counts after the game and sure enough, I was right. Malik Herring was playing a lot more, but, but Felix played a lot more. And then if, if Clyde's getting some more touches, it made me think, I wonder how much Andy or big red, how much is big red setting up here for Thursday night? Maybe not playing McKinnon as much, maybe not playing some of his edge rushers as much, giving some lower tier guys more playing time knowing that they all got to go back out in four nights and do it all over again. Uh, like, was that occurring to you? What'd you think of the use of Clyde? What do you think of any of that? Stacy? I'll go to you. Uh, you know, I think there might be a little bit of load management going on. I'm not sure that it's specific to the short week. I think maybe just season in general, right? Specifically, Jarek McKinnis talked about it in an interview. Um, I think in terms of the defensive line, that might just be, missing an extra body right at this point in the season, they might be feeling the effects of not having another body for that rotation. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're really, really going to look forward to Charles and Minnie coming back here very soon. Um, so I, I'm not sure it has as much to do with the short week as it does with just the, the overall season plan for trying to keep everybody healthy and fresh. Sure. I would agree with that, Stacey. And again, Clyde played nine snaps. We're not talking about Clyde playing 30 snaps. He played nine out of a possible 66. I know we're not a huge fan of of seeing him, but you see it around the NFL all the time. There's just so many splits, and they're not quite there. Uh, They're not going to give Jerick McKinnon just this absurd workload at his age. They are saving him. And again, as much as we like Isaiah Pacheco, he has had some injuries in his career. He's and I get it. You're always going to have injuries and you don't want to hold them back, but you don't really see many bell cows in today's NFL. Anyways, he still played 59% of the snaps. Isaiah Pacheco did. I I was fairly okay with how the breakdown went. I know we're going to talk about wide receivers, but this one particular wide receiver, I think fits more into the snap count share here. So I'm going to bring bring this up right here. It's our show. Well, well, Justin Ross, and you brought it up and I think it's fair. I keep seeing it all over Twitter. You know, he had six snaps in this game, four targets, two catches, two drops. And people are saying, you know, well, it's great. Six um, or four targets on six snaps. Look at that. He's getting open. Give him the ball. And I said, let's pump the brakes a little bit. I talked to Garrick Dieter about this yesterday, actually. I I said, is this because when he's in the game, it's a design play for him? And more or less, he's like, without actually sitting in the room with Andy, yeah, it would be. And I liken it to the NBA, for example. Some players, if you play basketball, some guys are very good one-on-one, very good creating their own shot, very good in the flow of the game, okay? And some guys are only good when the play is designed for them. Some guys, a lot of times like J.J. Redick back in the day, Kyle Korver, they need their number called. 
the ha- the play has to be designed for them. I think Justin Ross needs the play designed for him. He's not quite there yet. He's not quite able to get into the flow of the game to just see, pick up, and, and adjust on the fly. That is what I'm taking away from the low amount of snap count. So as much as I would like to see him play more, I also understand the potential drawbacks of why he's not out there. Mm. Yeah, I think you're totally right about that. Not only that, but every one of those was a pass play. So if you see Justin Ross in the game, you go, okay, one, they're not running the ball. And two, they're probably they're probably targeting Ross exactly, which they did on two-thirds of those plays. Um, so there's not much mystery. If Justin Ross is in the game, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw it to Justin Ross, which leads us to a predictable avenue. Maybe I'm sure Andy Reid will at some point exploit that. Uh, for some misdirection when he's going in. But Brett Veach said that from the very beginning of the season. We kept Ross uh, along with Rasheed Rice. Both of these guys are going to need very special packages designed for them. And then the more they grow, the more packages we'll give them, the more we can trust him. Rasheed Rice has broken through that. He's gotten on the field now more. He's trustable in more situations. But Ross clearly is not. So he's effective on a few he's efficient on a few although he did drop two passes so that needs to be corrected but uh but the skill is there for sure to get open when targeted which is not true maybe for some other guys on the on the team um but yeah i i think a lot of these guys who are a lot of the fans who are going i need more justin ross i need more just ross is like i you can't tr-. even the even the coaches are like we can't trust justin ross with more than what he's giving us right now we'll we we will as we can yeah stacy you have thoughts there on ross can't you know i agree and and can't stress enough that so much of this offense is is predicated upon trust and can you execute your assignment do you know where you need to be and until this coaching staff believes that some of these young guys will be where they need to be run the route they're supposed to run they're not going to be on the field uh we have seen a lot of rasheed rice having success But I think I read the other day that a lot of his success, almost all of it has come against zone coverage where he can run a sit down route, turn around and Pat fires the ball in there. He hasn't had a lot of success just running a route and beating man coverage. So I think until they're at a point where they've progressed enough in this system to be able to win those one on ones, be where they're supposed to be on the field, they're going to be brought along slowly, like Veach said in that interview. Uh, with Rasheed Rice, since you brought it up, PFF has him ranked as the 11th wide receiver in the NFL right now. 11th. PFF has been very, very high on Rasheed Rice, and those drop numbers obviously are not good, so those get cleaned up. He'd be even higher in PFF's ranking. I don't know if that's a flaw in PFF. I don't know if that means we are undervaluing Rasheed Rice and what he's done so far for Kansas City, but I also want to pose this to you, fellas. Let me ask you, who do you think the second highest ranked wide receiver on PFF is? Like overall or Chiefs receivers? Chiefs. Chiefs. I know my guess. Stace? Watson? It's Watson. That's what that would be my guess. Yeah. It's it's Watson. And, and I'm I'm finding myself saying I want to see more Rasheed Rice and more Justin Watson, which if you would have told me that at the beginning <laughs> of the season, I would have said that's asinine. No chance I would have seen those two dudes specifically. <laughs> but Watson's been outstanding. He's been so much more efficient than MVS, and I think their skill set is very similar. Watson is coming down with those deep balls. And then Sky Moore played 37 snaps. of the time he was on the field. And my goodness, dude, I don't know if he's not getting open. 
I don't know, as if you said, Stacy Mahomes doesn't trust him, even if the coaching staff does. There has to be some sort of disconnect there. Sure. But I want to see more Rice, and I want to see more Watson. Those are the two guys that have been the most effective. Put them on the field more. Stop giving me MVS right now, and stop giving me it, and stop giving me Sky Moore right now. Until those dudes show some more, give me the two guys who are productive. I- I'm, I'm with you, man. I I uh, I'd love to see those guys. I love what when Watson when Watson climbed to get that catch late in the game, converting an incredible. I mean, to me, that was the play of the game. It was like Kelsey's touchdown was amazing. Um, there were several other plays that were you know key to the game, but but to me, that was the play because we were choking early in the third quarter. Like that drive was stalling. The screen to tear the what was like a tunnel screen or something to Kadarius Tony goes nowhere. Uh, Pat took the sack on the first play. I think that's right. Like, like it was like a third and 18 or something. Right. And then, and then Watson climbs and, and comes down with this catch. And, and I just thought, who am I watching here? Like, what's like, what's going on? He's done that multiple times this year uh, after an off season where I think most of the fan base treated him like the Sorensen of the wide receiving crew, I got to say probably myself included. So, you know, I, I think a big apology is probably owed on behalf of chiefs kingdom to, to, to Watson, you know, or at least myself. I, yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing that way. Let's fly a flag over arrowhead. We're sorry, Justin Watson. We're sorry. <laughs> Let's get into um, folks, by the way, if you're listening as always, we just so appreciate anything that you guys, um, are bringing to the show your your attention your listenership is so big um if you want to add a few more things to that of course we'd love anytime that you can leave us a review uh where you're listening hit that like button or the subscribe and so it goes big trust me i looked under the hood i talked to youtube they explained their entire algorithm to me last night while i was trying to go to sleep and that all does good stuff i'd explain it all but you wouldn't understand it but it all does good stuff so, yeah, um, you know, that's always huge for us. Uh, back to wide receivers here. Um, I want to go uh, – look, Stacy, this is, this is big for you today because earlier today uh, the New York Jets uh, – I think it was Jeremy Fowler. Is that right? Was it Jeremy Fowler, uh, NFL reporter, uh, leaked onto um, – it's really no secret. McCole Hardman has been a healthy scratch, right? I mean, I – I don't know who was responsible for signing him, but clearly whoever was the whoever was key to signing him and whoever is key to coaching him did not see eye to eye because even from the moment McCole Hardman landed in New York, it was the coaching was pretty much like, Yeah, we got no great use for this guy. Um, however, now it looks like they're willing to trade him. Looks like he be could he could be a release candidate. Whatever that is, either way. Um, Stacy, you were tweeting earlier saying, Hey, look, this may not be popular, whatever, but this is a move I would make. I'd love to give you a chance to explain why you like adding McCole Hardman <laughs> to this Chiefs roster. Yeah, so I caught a lot of strays for that today, uh, but I'm willing to take the hits. Uh, I think for me, it's a simple equation. This is a guy who spent four years in your system, he has service time, he has system familiarity here. Um, uh, I think the baseline for me is if we can start with we're not expecting him to be a singular solution, I think we can have a conversation from there. It is not my thought or idea that he will come in and fix all that ails this offense. 
I think what he is, he would be easy, relatively easy to acquire. He'd be relatively cheap to have on uh, on the payroll this year. I think, again, you've got a guy who can come in that knows the system, so there won't be a long ramp time for him to come in and contribute here. All they need him to be is a contributor, right? I think he's contributed in years past. We've seen it. Certainly, he's not a great route runner. Certainly, there have been times where he has not been on the same page with Patrick Mahomes. But what he has shown is the ability to create chunk plays, to occasionally take the top off of defense. And I think that's something that the Chiefs could use. I also think having him here would simplify some of those personnel groupings. So when they're in 11, I think maybe that would eliminate the need to have MVS and Watson on the field at the same time, which I think opens up the door to Ross to get more on the field or Rice to see more opportunities on the field. So I think all of those reasons would be reasons for me that it would be a no-brainer to bring him back. Stacy, I'm going to respectfully disagree. I understand the thought process behind it, and I completely get where you're coming from as far as knowing the system, but that was kind of the issue was he didn't know the system. I, I, I do agree with the aspect of maybe that means you don't have MVS and Watts on the field at the same time, some of those redundancies. But to me, it's almost like when your mom used to tell you, you're like, can we get, can we get McDonald's? Your mom's like, we have McDonald's at home. It's like, can we get McCall Harbin? We have a McCall Harbin at home. It's Kadarius Tony when he's healthy. It's it's a combination of Richie James, the combination of the plethora of wide receiver threes that are already on this roster. I get what you're saying, but I don't think it simplifies a whole lot. We're still here trying to say we need more Rasheed Rice snaps. We want to see more Justin Ross. We want to see more this, that, and the other, and yet there's still not room right now. To me, he's done a clear advantage over what is currently on this roster. That's where I'm coming from. I think he fits right into the same boat. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying that I'd be uh, hating the move if he came here. I think it actually, though, convolutes things a little bit more. And that's where I'm coming from. I like the guy. He was a great interview. Nice dude. I wish him the best. But I think it was time to move on. Yeah, I definitely think there's some overlap between him and Tony. But I think, there, again, he provides the ability to take the top off that we really haven't seen from Tony or from Sky, for that matter, mm-hmm. up until – a couple of weeks ago, Sky's longest reception was about 30 yards. So I think he has a dimension that neither of them have. And again, I think that helps you kind of clean up some of these configurations of these receivers, um, at least when they're in 11 personnel. Um, and I, again, he doesn't need to be a savior. He needs to be a contributor here. And I think if you bring him in, the only person he's really going to cancel out is I think you bring him in in place of Montreal Washington, he still has ability to return punts. So he's not going to take anything off the table. He's not going to take anything away from, from Sky, per se, or from Tony. And I think having him there would free Tony up from some of those jet sweeps, those flares, those quick outs, to allow him to have some other route concepts and do some other things at other points on the field. Yeah. I just find this a um... – and agree to disagree things. I, you, you can make either argument here, and I think no one's necessarily wrong. But what it comes down to me is he's not a guy that moves the needle. And so far, the Chiefs wide receiver room is full of guys who aren't necessarily moving the needle. You're making it more crowded when there's already guys that I would like to see. Again, this is a personal feeling. Guys that I would like to see get more snaps. I think McColl doesn't help in that regard um now if you said hey dj moore's available sign me the hell up okay now now we're cooking now we're talking um 
Juju Smith-Schuster is another name that's been getting thrown around. I'm I, Again, I'm, I'm out on him. I think Rasheed Rice has done a fine job filling in in that role. They don't need another one of those guys. Frankly, I think the Chiefs are fine wide receiver-wise where they're at, which I know is going to get me probably uh, ripped on on here. I get that. But they're 4-1. and one. They're the best team in the AFC. Seriously. Their only loss was to an NFC opponent week one. The Chiefs have spent so much money in draft capital trying to revamp the defense. That is the way they try to go to help Mahomes. That's why they didn't spend big money on a wide receiver. There's two ways to help your quarterback. One's in the defense. One's giving them receivers. Mahomes can make wide receivers better. He can't make defenses better, as we've seen in the past. The Chiefs' defense is electric right now. That's the way they chose to help Patrick Mahomes. I'll have my two cents here and just say, you know, I, I find myself agreeing with both of you. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, Montreal Washington looks better than the others who've tried out in that role, but like no one should be clamoring for him to keep his, his roster spot. If to me, I think McCall Harmon would probably instantly be the best deep threat in the room. I think he's the, fa- I think he'd be the fastest guy there. And I, and I also think he'd like, he'd be the most dangerous returner. So I would tell him, Hey, you're responsible for all return. It's not like we want another guy that we have to script plays for. So it's not like McColl's going to be eating a ton into the offense if he comes back. But he, but like Stacy said, he's known. He's going to come cheap. And if he adds any sort of edge at all, I'm in for it. Like any sort of edge is worth an acquisition. If there are those Chiefs fans who would want to cry foul and go, this is not the move I wanted. Well, it doesn't mean it has to be your only move. Right. So, yeah, look, look, do I want Hollywood Brown? Yes, I do. If they want to make McCall Hardman like the plant, like the little brother addition to like, I don't care who they add if in response, as long as I get Hollywood Brown. So (laughs) if we don't get Hollywood Brown, I may be a little upset. Look, if you let's talk about this, let's talk about wide receivers a little bit more here, because if you look at the average stats per season, the wide receivers are kind of sort of in line with previous seasons. Yardage, receptions, targets, it's all kind of sort of there. It's just way more evenly distributed. Until you look at the red zone, and then it's all tight ends and all running backs when it comes to scoring on this team because no wide receiver has the ability to either break the big plays and take it all the way or they're not trusted when it matters most going to wide receivers on third downs way down and going to them in the red zone or in the end zone way down. So the general, so some people are pointing to average stats and going, Hey, this, these guys are doing about the same as always. And they have a point, but when it comes to like, when you need to move the chains or score, Pat is going, (laughs) yeah, yeah, dude, I'm not going to that guy. Are you, I'm not, I'm no clown. Right. So here's what I wonder. They're ma- they're getting the stats and yet they're not not in trusted situations. So do, does that feel like a oh, if that's the case, we probably do need a guy. Stacy, I'll start with you. Um yeah, I don't I don't know. It's still early in the year. Uh, I think both touchdowns that Rushy Rice has caught were in red zone situations. Uh I think inside 10 yards, so I think that's developing, and I think he's going to be more that guy as the year wears on. 
Um, we did see that in the Super Bowl. We saw it with Kadarius Tony. We saw it with Sky. So I think that'll come along as the season goes along. So I'm not I'm not as concerned. As funny as that sounds, I'm not as concerned about those red zone situations, their ability to score down there. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. I think red zone is so finicky year over year. I don't care how you get in as long as you get in. They're finding ways to get in, whether it's Noah Gray, Travis Kelsey, Jerick McKinnon. doesn't matter who. Find a way to get six, then, then make the extra point as Butker has done all season long. I am with you though, Stacey. I think Rasheed Rice will, as the season progresses, become more and more of a red zone threat. I think Kadarius Tony potentially was going to be tabbed to be that red zone monster. He's been hurt. They should have known he was going to get he's going to get injured. Obviously, as anyone who has seen what he's done so far in his career could probably take a gander at. Uh, but I think they probably had higher expectations for for Tony, and he's not been able to actually be out there. Hmm. I, I I think I'm I think I'm for an acquisition here because of the uncertainty around Travis that we have felt on two separate occasions already, and without him, you know that's the game we lost. I just don't like it. I just don't like it. So again, Hollywood Brown, Travis <laughs> Hollywood Brown. I'm Sign just, me up. <laughs> I'm all in. We've done this, Connor. We've done this. We're out on Hollywood Brown, remember? No. Is that it was Adam Best? Oh, we've not done our argument on Hollywood Brown on why I'm out? I don't think so. He's entering the final year of his contract. Are you going to Sean Payton me again in one episode? You think that dude is not going to want 20 plus million? I'm in. You're, you're going to pay 20 plus million for Hollywood Brown. Your market is your market is going to be over thirty million. the The high market now is thirty million. Next year's free agent market is going to make that thirty two or thirty five for tops guys. Of course, I'd pay twenty million to somebody. Oh, not to him though. Not to him though. I, nothing not, is not to a volume guy who's who's only twenty six. Oh yeah, please, been please don't make me spend that money on a guy. Game. I'm just. Saying, I think the money could be spent better elsewhere. Is all I'm going to say. How about Mooney? Chicago. He doesn't move the needle a ton for me personally. I got to go through the free agent list. Per, I, I know Hollywood Brown's going to be the guy. I think it would cost too much, though, to trade for Hollywood Brown. And then not only you're paying on debt, but you got to pay on credit. I don't like doing that. I don't like, if, if it's a free agent acquisition, I'd be more apt to make a deal. But if I'm giving up a third round, second round draft pick for a guy, then having to turn around and give 20 plus million per year, I'm all the way out. That is that is just too much. Boy, I'm I just couldn't be more in. Uh Stacy, are you out on him, by the way? What would you do here? No, absolutely. Sign me up. Hollywood All Brown, right. sign me up. That's why I have Stacy on the show still. Because <laughs> I knew you were gonna go toe-to-toe. Um yeah, so l- let's talk another uh by the way, we're facing the Broncos. We may put them in complete fire sale mode. Chris Jones seems to be into the idea of bringing back the shark. Are you in or are you out? Sterling Holmes. Stacy Smith. I, I love Frank Clark, but I'm out. I love him, but I'm out. I honestly, honestly, I, you could have convinced me a signing like that would make more sense while Omenahue was out. Now yeah. that he's coming back. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I, I just don't know. I think maybe for the stretch, having another guy for the rotation, sure. But 
Carlos Dunlap would would be a guy too if you just felt like you needed another body. Uh, I'm I'm out on Clark. It's so hard because I, I, I like Frank Clark and I want him in the playoffs. And I, I love playoff mm-hmm. Frank Clark, but the defense is looking so stout right now. They're looking so good, and they're going to get. Charles and Minahu back uh, with that week seven, right? He misses six weeks, comes back week seven. You know, maybe be the case that that takes away from Malik Herring playing 25 snaps. Uh, maybe makes a case of, you know, I don't know, man. Does he move the needle at this point? I don't think he moves the needle at this point. I would like him just for the playoffs, but that's it. If, if that's what it's going to take, who are you cutting? Are you going to cut Malik Herring? Farrell, when a minute who gets back, I mean, there's some ways you can go about it, but I think I'm out. It it is surprisingly crowded there, isn't it? Think think of all the things we thought about the front line before the season began, right? The idea that you could trade that you get playoff Frank back in a Chiefs uniform, or like or signing Carlos Dunlap would still be on the table at midseason. You would think, why are we signing Dunlap? Why aren't we doing something? And yet we're looking at this defense going, maybe one of the best in the NFL, they're going to be all right. And they don't even have a Minahue who was the big signing um, yet in there. That's going to be very, very, very exciting to get him back. Um, that said, angry drunken German says here, Clark could help us get ring three. No one should ever say anything against playoff, playoff Frank Clark. So I get it. I get it. Um, yeah. Any other, uh, any other thoughts on a short week heading into this Broncos game? Do we want to make some predictions given that it's only in two days? Yeah, we're doing it. It's our show. Stacy, I'm going to you. What do you, what were you going to say, Sterling? Like part of me gets nervous. Like on paper, the chiefs should just destroy the Broncos. They've not beaten Kansas city since the Royals won the World Series. You know how long ago that is if you are a Royals fan? Yeah, right here. That seems like forever ago. It's been almost a decade since the Broncos have beaten Kansas City, yet they seemingly find ways to play them close. It's an AFC West opponent. You see him twice. Not only that, on the short, you know, the the short turnaround, those games get wonky, man. Those games, they they get wonky. I wouldn't touch the 10.5. I think, again, the Chiefs on paper should win by 30. I mean, it shouldn't be close. But the other part of me goes, I know better than this. It's a close game, and I'm not going to be happy about it. Yeah. What do you think, Stacey? I think same. You know, they they played us tough a couple times last year. Um, In one of the games, Russ went out, uh, got hurt. But, you know, they played us pretty tough last year. And, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to those divisional games, you have to throw the records out. And uh, those are always tough matchups. So um, I could see this being a game that's much more close than we want it to be coming down the stretch. Um, You know, maybe a one-score game. I expect the Chiefs to win, obviously, but uh, totally could see a one-score game late. Um, I'm going to go against that. I'm, and, and I, yeah, I think we're just going to wipe the floor with them. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we're back at home. I think it's going to be feel, I think it's going to feel good to be back at home. I think, I think it's just going to be Sean Payton's head on the end of a mop. And I think we're just going to, yeah, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a, a barn, a barnstorming. Is that, 
What is that? Well, you're storming a barn. I don't know what that is. Whatever it is, we're doing it. Uh, yeah. Folks, we, uh, we, we're to the end of our show here. But let's bring in our producer, Richard. Stacy, we're putting you on the spot here. Not sure if you've, if you've got something. But we reach the end of the show. We always have our must list. Stacey, you've done this before a couple times, I know. Uh, this is the part of every show where we recommend something uh, as part of our service to you all. A barn burner. That's what I was looking for. What did I say? Barnstorming. Yeah, you're storming a barn at that point. I don't know all what right. you're storming for, but you might get something. On Thursday, we're having a barn raising with the <laughs> Denver Broncos in town. All right, there it is. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, it's time for our must list. What do we recommend from what we watch, read, listen to, take in, consume, whatever it is? Could be everything from blue cheese to, um, you know, the latest Mission Impossible movie. Uh, we go with guests first here, Stacy. So we're putting you on the spot. What do you recommend uh, for our listener viewership out there? Uh, that is tough. I'm going to say if you're a fan of reality TV, 90 Day Fiance. I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm all about messy, turbulent relationships on reality TV. So if, if you're into that kind of thing, 90 Day Fiance, and there's so many spinoffs and different shows, currently watching 90 Day Fiance Last Resort. So if you want to watch a couple in turmoil, it's great entertainment. Dude, Stacy, some of us live that reality. Indeed. I, I mean, my, I have like, I'm basically on like 20 year fiance. It's just turbulence. Don't tell my wife the link to this podcast. I'm just kidding. All right. Anyway, uh, Richard, let's go to you, my man. By the way, welcome, Richard. Yeah, thank you. Uh, glad to be back. As you've always. got some uh, kudos for your mustache already. I know we're trying to grow it back. It was it was, it was feeling weird. It's also getting colder, and I think that's going to help keep my body warm, like one percent. So. Uh, I had to think of something. I found this lane next to my computer desk. I'm going to recommend uh, Scud, the disposable assassin. I don't read books. You know, you know, Richard, he likes he likes books with pictures. I'm, I'm a child. Uh, but Scud is about a disposable assassin. Uh, basically, you if you have the money, you can pay for an assassin at a vending machine. And once he just, dis- dis- you know, kills his target, he dies. But what happens if a Scud realizes that they die? So then he ends up trying to keep his target alive, puts puts them in an ICU and starts taking uh, odd jobs to pay the medical bills so that he can live his life. And yeah, it's just a, it's funny. It's written by Rob Schrab, uh, who did a lot of uh, community and Rick and Morty. It's also got some writing credits from Dan Harmon as well. So if you like that kind of uh, comedy crew of, you know, Dan Harmon and whatnot, check it out. Uh, Scud, the disposable assassin. Man, I, how do you even think of that? Like I would just, I would never. It's even... a weird, con- it's a weird and wacky concept. I mean, I, that's Drugs, just the man. tip of the tip of the iceberg. I, yeah, just throwing everything at a wall. This is the same guy who he made a pilot. I don't know if anyone out there is aware of this pilot. I, I was only reminded by looking at the back. There was a pilot for Jack Black TV show on Fox called Heat Vision and Jack, which was like, if I remember correctly, it was a talking motorcycle. And I think, uh, which was, I forget that that was voiced by Jack Black. And then I think there was another main actor. Like, the, yeah, Rob Schrab thinks up a lot of crazy shit. Just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Uh, like Knight Rider. Like Knight Rider, but it's uh, stupider, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'll go next because I'll make Sterling close out the show. Uh, there's a new movie on Apple called Tetris. It's just the story of Tetris, which sounds super boring. And at, through the first, like, 15 minutes, it kind of is. Because you're just like, yeah, we all know what Tetris is. But it's actually kind of a 
they keep it kind of lighthearted, but it's kind of a look at capitalism versus communism and everything that was going on at the time and all the crazy, you know, levels of fear that we had in those days with the Cold War and this this crazy game and a guy who designs it and got nothing for his efforts. So uh yeah anyway check it out if you're you know if you're into that kind of thing it's just a neat story and definitely an easy watch um i'm going with zach bryan's album zach bryan this is awesome man he's a storyteller it's kind of country a a little rock but it's more of just storytelling It, it really gets you um over time east side of sorrow fear and fridays el dorado I remember everything and then tourniquet tourniquet that song it gets you man it's 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 i didn't understand the zach bryan hype at first and then i listened to this entire album just top to bottom i'm sitting here going i get it now i mean he has had a meteoric a meteoric rise uh, he, he was he's had a meteoric rise from you know playing small venues he was in the military and all of a sudden now he's playing hundreds of these massive arenas this year it's crazy just what he's done I think people really resonate with Zach Bryan. So Zach Bryan's album, Zach Bryan, that's what I am recommending. Stacy, Stacy Smith, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter at MCReach. If you want great Chiefs content, obviously go to AirheadAddict.com. You can see his work there, but also go to his Twitter account. Dude is not afraid to give his opinion. Obviously, we disagree with McCall Harbin, but you do it in a very nice way. You have a great layout of why you choose to take a certain side Always appreciate Stacy coming on. Richard always gives us the absolute weirdest, and I mean the absolute weirdest must list, but he's got a great mustache, and he's the best producer. East or west of the Mississippi, Matt Connor's got a great beard. I love the beating today. Matt Connor, I love doing this show with you, man. It's always a great time. And to everyone who listened, everyone who's hanging out with us, everyone who wants to throw us a like, who drops a chat, all you guys, thank you so, so much. We'll be back tomorrow with Adam Best and myself. Until then, we are out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.